My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Ross Farstick. Welcome to the Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. This week, we're talking about Need for Speed Unbound, a game that the people who publish it are not talking about, apparently. <laughs> they- but- We've decided to because it's a pretty good game. They either forgot about it or something. It was a tax write-off. Who knows? Got lost between the cushions. But it's a a really cool game, and I can't wait to talk about it. But before we talk about it, I have a question for you. Okay. It is the holiday season, which means it's time to watch holiday movies. And I, I have a theory that everybody has like one holiday movie that is bad that that they love but that is like deeply not good and yet because it hit them at the right time or just because their family watches it every year they go back to it over and over again this is not the grinch it's not charlie brown yeah those are good those are good right it's not a, it's a wonderful life so i wanted to know what is your bad but every year you watch it holiday movie Hmm. Maybe uh, IQ. Does that count as a holiday movie? IQ. Yeah. Do you want to explain what IQ is to the audience? Because I think nobody knows. Sure. In the mid nineties, uh-huh. uh, Walter Matthau paired with Meg Ryan and Tim Robbins for a rom com in which Walter Matthau plays Albert Einstein, and they're at college, and Albert Einstein makes Tim Robbins, who's just like a car mechanic, into a genius to fool Meg Ryan into loving him. And it's basically a rom-com that devolves out of that. Deception, the name of the game when it comes to love, and I've seen that movie way too many times. Is it a holiday movie? I've watched it a lot on the holidays, but I've also watched it a lot on non-holidays. So who's to say? Two questions. Why? And why are you watching it on the holidays? Well, I think it was because, well, I think on the holidays, it's just because I'm around. And why have I watched a lot of times? I think it was one of those movies that showed a lot on Comedy Central because it was cheap for them to license. And so I watched it a bunch of times. Now it's sort of in my brain. It's very weird. That's weird. Mine is Mixed Nuts, which is like... Oh, yeah. That is an actual holiday movie. Yeah, and also a bad movie. Kind of from Um, the same era, I want to say. Same era. Uh, It is the... um, Kevin Spacey's in that? No. What am I no. thinking? I'm thinking of the Dennis Leary Kevin Spacey movie. That's not that. No, that's no, that's the the ref. <laughs> the You're ref. thinking of The Ref is a holiday movie though. Yeah, it is. This is Nora <laughs> Ephron and uh writing about a suicide hotline oh, on uh Christmas Eve manned by Steve Martin. And it is every bit as disastrous as that sounds. And yet, my wife fell in love with it when she was a kid, and she made me watch it, and I was absolutely miserable the first five years of having to do this. Yeah. And now, something clicks in your brain, and it's like a coping mechanism where you decide, actually, I, I now look forward to this. Yeah. Um, it's also a Los Angeles Christmas movie, which not not a lot of those. Does L.A. Story have a Christmas uh, B story? I feel like it does. <laughs> I don't know. They make know. jokes about how it's warm during Christmas. Ha, I mean, it's ha, like ha, sardonic. Every every movie by uh, the dude who wrote Iron Man 3. 
You know, the guy who wrote uh, Predator, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. He was Everybody also knows. in Predator, that guy. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he didn't write Predator. Whatever, we're off track. We should probably talk about video games. Are you, okay. you ready to do that? Let's do it. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. Okay, Need for Speed Unbound. This is a weird one. There's a new Need for Speed game. That's not weird. That alone... Well, it's weird in that, like, it feels like no one knew or talked about it. I saw people in the video game development community the day it came out being shocked. Yeah. Which is, that's, those are people who are deeply involved in games. Surprised that one of the biggest franchises at one point has a new iteration. What's even weirder is this isn't like a throwaway Need for Speed game. Yeah, this is not, it's not like they went to Gameloft and was like, we need a Need for Speed game. They brought in... The best. The best, historically, the best uh, studio to make racing games maybe ever? I mean, uh, certainly arcade racing games. Yes. Yeah. So they brought in a studio called Criterion, which is best known for the Burnout series, yep. which kind of culminated with Burnout Paradise, the first, I would say, great open world racing game. Yes. And uh, then that studio went on to make some of the best Need for Speed games, including Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of trouble. The studio, like some of the talent left. Uh, EA at one point put the studio on a bunch of weird other projects kind of in support roles, I believe on Battlefield games and Star Wars games. Um, But now they're back in some form making a Need for Speed game. And the result is a really good kind of old, like what they used to do of Need for Speed games. I kind of can't believe it. I Yeah, it is surprising. I I will say from my perspective, it definitely ran under the radar until I just started getting emails telling me that ASAP Rocky was in a game. (laughs) And that was the only, that was like the, in every PR email I got for this game, they were so excited about ASAP Rocky. And all I know about ASAP Rocky is he was, I think, stuck in Russia and they had to like bargain for his release at one point. And that's all I know. I'm not (laughs) plugged in to the music scene. I'm sure he's very popular, but they did not lead with the fact that this was the developer behind Burnout and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. They led with ASAP Rock. It, it, it's bizarre. And there are, are so many other things that they could lead with. Another example is the art style, which I really like. It is both more re- realistic and more cartoony at the same time. Um, the lighting in this game is stunning. I, I think for a racing game, especially for anything in the Need for Speed series. But then the characters are um, somewhere between like Western animation and anime. Uh, they're cell shaded, uh, and they look. I mean, just really beautiful designs. And the the I guess the accents of the world. So if a car boosts, uh, little swirls pop around the car, or the smoke that pops out of it, that's animated. Yeah. And it the effect ends up being um like Spider Man into the Spider Verse yes. type of style. You know, like it, it's that kind of mishmash of different types of animation. It's or like cool. Miss Marvel recently did that style. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I do. I do. I think it's like maybe a little bit out of date. Sure, but again, video games take a long ass time to make. I did see. Um, uh, I think it was Digital Foundry. Maybe in their video, they were desc- they were comparing it to SSX on tour, which came out on the Wii. Was like the last time we'd seen an art style like this. That's wild. Which is yeah. 
kind of a throwback. Yeah, but but I, I I mean it looks good. They could have talked about the driving, which feels good. It, yeah, I want to talk about the driving with you because yeah. So yeah, you know where my tastes lie when it comes to racing games. I liked Burnout. Uh, I'm sorry, I liked Forza Horizon Five. Okay. Um. Crazy. So I like open world. I love Burnout Paradise. Like one of my favorite racing games of all time. But most of the Need for Speed games and most of the Forza games do not click for me because I am not interested in a racing simulation. Does not appeal to me whatsoever. This game walks an interesting line mm-hmm. because it, even though I realize it is not a realistic physics driving game, it is closer to realistic than I was expecting. It's certainly closer to realistic than like Burnout Paradise had, which was like full on arcadey, And... In my opinion, I think it's a little too realistic. Like I want, I would have wanted it to be a little more wild than this. See, I, I, I didn't really have that at all. For me, it felt pretty arcadey. But I will say, the type of car you choose in this game actually matters a lot. Yeah, you're going to be married to that car for a long time. So, what car? I, I know you have to pick at the beginning that between the three cars. What did you start with? I made. A, a bad choice. <laughs> I, I made I made a car that didn't that didn't favor um, drifting. Okay, and that's what I should have done because that's I'm way better in these sorts of games with a drifting car rather yeah. than one that's like really nailing turns and yeah. like cutting into them at the exactly the right spot. That said, I just kind of made it work anyway, <laughs> which <laughs> defeated the purpose, but it, it ended up doing okay. I. I agree that it's challenging. I think the real challenge and the thing that kind of surprised me and maybe frustrated me a little bit is I couldn't find a way to, and maybe you can or can't do this in this, but rewind the car. I think there is a way to, I saw it in the settings where there was like, oh, you can, you get two or three rewinds per race, but I don't know. I never I need tried. to go back and, 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 and fuss with that because it wasn't like immediately offered to me like it yeah. is in a lot of these games. And as a result, I found myself getting, you know, at best, second, third, fourth place. I, yeah. I never was getting first place in races. But the game also doesn't seem to be about that. Like it kind of wants you to be not the best racer. At least early on. In the bunch, early on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, It wants you just incrementally placing in races making some you can make calculated bets against other racers in it that you'll just beat that individual person yeah and money means quite a bit to you early on as you buy parts to upgrade your car that will like set you up for kind of a first big tournament yeah it's a big departure from forza horizon where they hurl like 30 fucking cars at you right off the jump here you are like really working up this one kind of shitty car until it's like actually playable and then obviously once you get that going the cars and upgrades start coming a lot quicker but early on you are pretty well locked down into your options i don't know if that's the way to play it but i know that they were trying to i mean obviously they were like narrative was like a huge priority for them because so much of this game has dialogue in it, cutscenes in it, people talking, new character, like so much of the yeah, game. You, has you at, at, in the first chunk of the game, you have a character who is writing with you, yeah, the entire time and talking to you, and so talking you're getting to a you. lot of story just on during races, during drives. Um, do you want that from this sort of racing game? I do for for what this game set out to do. So I, I think, like, on one hand, I, there's an easy comparison here between 
Forza Horizon 5 and this, and that they're both open-world racing games, right? But Forza Horizon 5 is effectively a sandbox. Its open world is humongous. Yeah. It is very, very open. Emphasis on open. You know, you don't spend a lot of time in cities. You spend it, like, cutting through nature and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. And giving you a whole bunch of cars makes a lot of sense, and cutting back the story makes a lot of sense. This game is much closer to Burnout Paradise, where, yeah, there, there are fields that you can drive through. There are, like, little cuts that you can make through parking lots and, and whatnot. But most of it's in a city, and it's, like, it's almost like a kart racer. The game that kept coming to my mind was stuff like Blur or Midnight Club Racing. Yeah. Stuff that's like, you know, not a hardcore racing game, but not just a traditional arcade game either. And because it is that, because it is more focused, I think it makes total sense to like, yeah, we want to make sure you're really good with at least one car before we kind of give you the keys to the city. And since we're already doing that, since it's already going to be quite locked in, yeah, put a put a story there to pull me through that because at least for that chunk, because I'm gonna be pretty locked in anyway. You know, I mean, if I'm gonna be confined, I think a story kind of helps. I also didn't feel like I was ever having to stop playing to to enjoy the story. Like if, if they were gonna take me to a cutscene, it wasn't gonna be more than I don't know, like a minute and a half. Yeah, they're pr- they're pretty light. Yeah, so I, I I I appreciated that. Did I could I really tell what was happening at first? <laughs> no, but I eventually got a, a pretty okay sense of of like what all the story is. Yeah, it also is weird to me because a lot of the story is like fighting the man, which is not not weird in video games. Like it's a pretty common like yeah. fight the man is like a very common trope in video games. But like knowing this is an EA game, like knowing it's a giant publisher, I'm not saying. There weren't like little little folks making the game, but it's just I don't know, man. Yeah, it just w- doesn't do anything for me. And like I it, I know behind the veneer that this is still like a mega million dollar property. Yes, I, I, it's also the ice the the aesthetic of protest versus protest itself. Yeah, and and like every once in a while you get something that I think is like legitimate to the the point it's trying to make, like Andor. Like I watch Andor and like. I, I'm dumbfounded that Disney made that yeah. and that there was no notes and because it is flagrant and aggressive in its messaging about yeah. like corporate society and corporate yeah, society yeah. and yeah. what happens when monolithic companies become governments. Um, and that's wild. Where this game, it kept feeling to me like a Ubisoft game, like, you know, from like maybe 10 years ago, where I felt like Ubisoft had that period were like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed and like they had like skating and, you know, extreme sports games. And all of them had this, you know, we're anti the man. I mean, Watch Dogs more recently. And then it's like, yeah, in what way? And they're like, you know, fighting power. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, okay, but is there anything more you'd like to say? And they're like, no, nah, not, not really. Yeah. I'm like, but ha- have you noticed that all the people in power are hypocrites? And I was like, yeah, I've, I've caught on. <laughs> like, like uh, so much has changed with where global politics are in the last 10 years that, like, all of that feels very tame. Like, yeah. th- their targets are like, there are such bigger targets that I, I think y'all could be going for. Um, that said, whatever, it's it's fine. It's fine. I, the, I just, it just doesn't do anything for me at yeah. all. Like, I'd rather just, like, go ahead and race and, and realistically like i can skip cutscenes. that's fine um it just doesn't do anything for me i the the and this kind of goes back to what i was saying about the handling the car handling 
it felt like it was between two worlds. And I kind of felt that way about the whole world in general, because the city itself, if you were to just like drone your way around it, like just float around it and look at the buildings and the streets and stuff like that is like the most dull as dishwater city I've ever driven in in recent memory in terms of racing games. Like there is nothing, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there just like isn't a whole lot standing out in this city. What stands out are the special effects and the cars look very pretty and stuff like that. But the city itself is like pretty dry. I, I, I do agree. And again, I think the Ubisoft comparison comes to mind a bit. This is going for, I assume, I, I, is it literally San Francisco or it's like... Yeah, like it. But even Ubisoft, you look at uh, Watch Dogs Legion was very colorful and interesting and like... Uh, was it? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly more than this. Yeah. This I looks guess. like Watch Dogs 1, which was or, like yeah. grays and like browns. It, Though I think we, that's intentional because... I think that the animation is supposed to pop against it. But again, that's me giving, I think, a pretty generous reading. Yeah, I, I, it's, I guess, frustrating to me because I love the character models and I really like the um, the effects, the car effects, the boots thing and the dirt and all that stuff that is cel-shaded. And all I could, I couldn't get it out of my head, this game that came out and I want to say the mid-2000s called Auto Modelista. Have you played this game? No. <laughs> Okay, look it up. Auto Modelista was a fully cel-shaded car racing game. I think it's the only one that I certainly that I've ever seen. And it like the whole aesthetic is what you see in the character models and the uh, special effects. It was fucking dope. I realize for a mainstream game like Need for Speed, they probably couldn't do that because it wouldn't necessarily be as popular. But that's kind of what I want like the best parts of Burnout Paradise for me were like Big Surf Island, which was just like the most bonkers ass giant ramps and all sorts of crazy shit like that, that it felt like a Hot Wheels track. And this just like isn't that. And I, you know, I know a lot of people don't want that. They want something more grounded, but it just feels weird to me that they have all these wild special effects and things and they go the like more grounded route for the city and the driving model. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I think that makes sense. I think there's also... And again, this is not what they set out to do. But sometimes I want these things to be a bit more holistic in terms of like the theme and the art style yeah. and everything else. And I think about, do you remember the Initial D games? No. So Initial D, it was um, a Sega racing series. Okay. Mostly for arcade, but it was based off of uh, uh, anime and manga called Initial D. And it was about, I, I, I hope I'm remembering this all right, but like the real life um, drifting culture in Japan and like street racing, but not like, you know, like what you think of like modern neon street racing, like people going down like the windy hills of Japan and the mountains sure. and, and racing on that. And like, I think about something like that, and it's like, okay, you have this very cool art style that is already borrowing from anime culture. You have the cel-shaded effects. Why not go and do something that, like, puts it in an environment that also is connected to manga and anime? Yeah. Like, why Why San Francisco, right? Like, yeah. wh wh what are we doing here? And again, it's not, not even that it needs to be in Japan, but 
you know, plenty, plenty of anime is not set in Japan, but I, some sort of logic to like, why does it look like this? What are we trying to say? And how do we match that up with whether it's another property or it's the type of story that we're telling that it all comes together? Because you're right. It does feel like the person who designed and thought about the world and the person who thought designed and thought about the characters. It seems like they hate each other. Well, they either hate each other or, they, or like they just wanted to make two different games and whoever was like the lead director was like, I don't want to like get between y'all. You just make your version. And yeah, you make yeah. Your version. Right. And they'll play nice, I'm sure. Um, and, and yeah, and I, and I think the character one is much more interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of like the game structure... How how did you feel about the pacing of it? Because, again, it, you mentioned, you know, it doesn't give you everything right up top. It was a little jarring at first for me to be thrown into a game that is a racing game, but kind of has that single-player shooter or action game pacing, where it's like, yeah, we're going to kind of make you just work for it for a couple hours. Well, yeah, and just the, like, structure of it with the, like, the d- way the days pass and, like, you're picking, uh, I guess, tasks or whatever... It is weird. It's it's definitely not what I'm used to, which again is like more you're you know, for most open world games it's just like, oh, here's a shitload of icons on the screen. You just drive to whichever one you want to do. You do it, you get money, you go to the next one, you do it, you get money, etc. This yeah, had a bit more of a skeleton around it. Mm. I don't know. I again, I don't think it's bad. It's just it, it was kind of a throwback to something that isn't done anymore. Yeah, it's almost like I don't they keep like adding layers that I didn't necessarily need because I would just like, just want to be on races as much as possible. And you can, you can do that. Like there's not like a ton of stuff getting in your way, but it did feel like there was like a lot of design decisions that were like, well, we're going to make this a little, just slightly more complicated than you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. What, what car did you end up going with? Uh, it wasn't the Lamborghini, even though I was tempted. Yeah. I, it was whatever one was on the right. <laughs> I don't remember what it's it was called. Volkswagen? Or the Civic? Maybe the Civic. Yeah, I think it was the Civic. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I think it's like a Civic hatchback. It kind of looked um, like, uh, well, it was all d- fucked up at the beginning of the game, but it kind of looked like a n- Nissan Skyline from the front. And I remember really liking driving the Nissan Skyline in other racing games. And then I felt this way. I didn't feel anything like that. So uh, that, makes that was the logic behind it. But yeah. I'm sure almost everyone picks the Lamborghini because it's a fucking Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah. I, I made the mistake of not doing that, too. I feel like yeah. it, they, it's, it's almost like they were like, hey, we know that if we put these other junkers next to it, you'll pick the good one. And then both <laughs> of us were like, no, no, and you, this is probably a trick, right? You're yeah, probably tricking yeah. Us. I think we both try to break games a little too We often. thought about it too much. Yeah, when you, like, I love it when you, at least when I was first offered cars to buy, it was like, do you want a Volkswagen Beetle? And I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for this twice. <laughs> like you're not going to, you're not going to get me again. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I was really charmed by this game. Um, I, I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I think it deserved way more of a shot than it has gotten. And yeah. I think if you are somebody who has ever loved the need for speed games, this is a good Need for Speed game in in the truest sense. It is not trying to do anything that the you know kind of modern open world racing games are doing. Um, it, it's trying to be just a. It's trying to do well what it did well a decade ago. Just yeah. m- more modern, better looking. It feels great. I do have one question though. Yes, Criterion spent decades seemingly 
perfecting the best like crash the other car physics mm -hmm. model imaginable. And while you can ram other cars in this game, it is nowhere near as satisfying as it used to be in Burnout. Now I realize Burnout did not have licensed cars. They could do whatever the fuck they wanted with those cars. So I'm sure that's part of it, but I cannot help but remember how much I miss like ramming another car into a pole and seeing that car like get totally crumpled and destroyed. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Because cars there. do get fucked up in this game. There's like a pretty intense they damage do. model. But it feels like there's like like car companies must have agreed upon. I think that's what it is. Some some like what is the level of destruction? Yeah, there's a because limit. You're right. There there was a period, you know, over a decade ago where in racing games or any games with cars, you would see so much destruction. I mean, dating back to the Destruction Derby series on PlayStation One. And now there's like a very, very, very specific level of destruction that you see almost universally across all racing games. Like it's it's that same thing where it's like, yeah, like the, the back fender can crumple, maybe yeah. the hood can crumple a little bit, and the windows can break. Right. Um, but but nothing more than that. And it it is kind of funny how I I would it would be a fun exercise to put it next to you know, Gran Turismo, the Forza series, and something like this with the same car, the same licensed car, and see, like, which one lets you destroy it the most. Yeah. Or do they all end up looking almost identical? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, should we take a break, and we can come back and talk about another game? Let's do it. Cool. I'll see you on the other side. Okay, we are back, and you have a game to tell me about. I do. This is a game that I, like, totally missed. Totally missed it. And um, it basically, uh, well, the game is called Proteus. It's, uh, to be clear, spelled P-R-O-D-E-U-S, which is not how I would think Proteus is spelled. I think there's another way to spell it, but that's how they spell it in this game. And it is a throwback-inspired first-person shooter. So when I say that, I mean like Doom, Quake, that era of first-person shooter, so much so that there's like a filter over the game that like gives it kind of almost a pixelated look to it. There's um, the enemies that you fight by default are just 2d sprites that always face you doom style, but you can in the settings change them to like normal 3d models. Everything is animated in like a, like when you're reloading or whatever, it'll be like in like 10 frames per second, like that, level of like animation like super jerky mm -hmm. all to like reinforce the idea that this is like throwback inspired and yet it is a stunningly gorgeous game it uses all sorts of incredible like lighting techniques and it runs like screamingly well i played on a steam deck and it was soaring uh, at 60 fps and above i uh, had no problem running and i don't know i've played a lot of these games a lot of these first person shooter games that like are from are inspired by this era, right? They like have a lot of enemies and they're kind of like, you know, you're hunting for keys and it's relatively brainless, but it's fun, like fun brainless stuff. And this one just felt like the most fine-tuned of all of those. It felt like really polished and as I said, gorgeous. And um I I guess I'm just kind of shocked that I just never played it. It came out on early access in 2020. But it just hit, I guess, full release uh, in uh, September. So just a couple months ago was the full release of the game. So now it's fully out, and it's yeah, it's fucking sick. 
We talk about uh, a lot of indie publishers on the on the show that are doing really well. I yeah. feel like we don't talk about humble games very often. Yeah, they're you're right. Actually, they they have been doing. They've had a number of really solid titles. I feel like they are maybe not as consistent as like a Devolver in terms of picking like the really good stuff. More than you would think. I'm, so I'm looking at the list right now. Okay. Their first two games in 2017. First two games. A Hat in Time, which did fine. Oh, yeah. And good. Slay the Spire. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that was them. Wild. Um, 2019, they, they, I mean, they have a lot of games, but 2019 Void Bastards was them. Oh, A game great. that we yeah. really liked. Um, 2020 had Eichenfell and Cardo, both yeah. we liked. 2021 had Unsighted and Unpacking, which are both excellent games. Yes, that were games. And then this year has uh, Proteus, Coral Island, Signalis. I mean, Signalis, yeah. I mean, pretty solid track record. Yeah, no, that's that is extremely strong and 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 impressive because it really is very difficult to pick like the winners and losers when it comes to game publishing, especially with indies. You are frequently working with folks that are like, you know, maybe they've been making games their whole life, but not necessarily like a mass market. We're gonna have this played by hundreds of thousands or even millions of people. Um, so it is very difficult to like do that talent scouting and pick and choose winners and losers. And they seem to be doing quite a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Are are there like, how much does this genre appeal to you? The like old school rebooting the old school format genre, or do you, would you rather play like a more modern style game? It's one of those things that if you'd asked me two years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I'll definitely buy like 50 of these. Yeah. And then I played a couple of them and I was like, okay, I've had my fill. I don't I don't need more of these. And yet there are, I feel like a, a handful of them every year. But if it's a good one, I think I would like it. I, I think I, I think like that's such a trite, boring thing to say about <laughs> video games, right? Like, but if they made a good one, I'd like it. But it, 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 is, it is true. Like there are a bunch of... Um, farming games and i don't necessarily feel like i need more in my life right at this moment but if another one came along that was as good as stardew valley would i drop everything to play it yeah a hundred percent yeah um and i think that's kind of where i am with this sort of thing where i i don't download these the second i hear about them or even hear like one nice thing about them but if word of mouth sticks around for a while i'll eventually check it out like i will definitely try this one just because i trust your taste in video games yeah and this one has like online co-op which is again kind of hit or miss for for a lot of these games um i think there's pvp i didn't try the pvp or anything like that but yeah it it uh i get again it's weird because i feel like especially with early access stuff frequently i don't i'll maybe hear about like maybe i heard about this game two or three years ago when it like first went on kickstarter and then i'll like totally forget it exists uh, Teardown was another example of this. Went on early access, I heard about it, totally forgot it exists, and then it hits the 1.0, and I'm like, holy shit, this is like an epically polished game, and it's because they've been in early access for two years. Hades, same deal. Like, this is, in a lot of ways, you know, it's not perfect for every game project, but for certain game projects, it's really showing how much you can get for indie indie developers because they can, you know, essentially fund the most expensive part of the game, which is often polish and like 
you know, QA testing and all that stuff just through their early access programs. Yeah. And, and I mean, and it's the marketing, right? Yeah. Like these games do need gradual word of mouth. Yeah. And each update becomes another chance to get in front of players to get repositioned on the Steam store. Um, it makes it makes a lot of sense versus just yeah dropping your game completely formed and hoping for the best. I do want to mention um, one other thing about Proteus. It has a uh, Super Mario Three inspired like world map when you're selecting levels. Like you actually march a little guy around on the map to like select your levels, and which is just like a fun aesthetic touch. But in each of the levels, there are like collectible currencies that you then use to unlock upgrades and i feel like this is a more modern idea that has been infused into this old school gameplay style that i absolutely love because i find myself like really encouraged to go and replay old levels to like find the three pieces of ore that i missed so that i can upgrade my double jump uh, a little bit higher or unlock like a plasma cannon or something like that yeah um I mean, th- this is the the big question. I mean, it goes back to what we were saying with Need for Speed, right? Of how much do you give the player? How much do you save and keep yeah. on hand as incentive? And how do you not make it feel like you're just withholding to, you know, eat people's time? Yeah. Because um, you, you want a little bit of that. You want a little bit withheld uh, because, because it's fun to feel rewarded and fun to feel like you're growing, even if it is somewhat artificial. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah, dang. Okay, I'll check this out. I mean, this seems like a good <laughs> Steam Deck game. It, like, it's a, incredibly good on Steam Deck, but I would also add, it's. I, I haven't played it on Switch, but it's on everything. Ooh. It's on Xbox, it's on PlayStation, okay. but it's also on Switch. And uh, look it up to see how the reviews are in terms of the performance on Switch. But if it runs well and you're looking for a good shooter, there is not a, there are not a lot of options on Switch for first-person shooters. And this seems like one that could be really strong. So I should play this with Mosey, is what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) I think you'd love it. Uh, The gore in this game is fucking hilarious because any enemy that you kill will explode in a giant 3D sea of blood that fills the screen. Your your gun gets covered by blood. The ceiling, the floor, everything gets covered. That's every single enemy. And you're constantly facing like groups of enemies that are like 20 enemies at a time, 30 enemies at a time. So there's like almost like a serious Sam element to it. Okay. It's, this sounds good. Yeah, for, it's it is a lot of fun. For um for the listeners, uh, my son has a collection of old games that he found on my Switch and uh, discovered that Slaughterhouse was in it. Oh yeah. And started playing it, and I sent Fresh a picture because I was like, ah, oh, this is really funny. And then five seconds later, I was like, I'm a bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> and promptly deleted that game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, even even an old game. You know what? It turns out, uh, your four year old should not be playing a game where they cut creatures open with a big knife. Um. <laughs> maybe not a cool thing to do as a parent. Dressed as Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dressed as dressed as a legal knockoff Jason Voorhees. Um. Uh. That's very cool. Uh. I I'm trying to go like other stuff I've been playing. I've been zipping around ahead of we're recording before the game awards um and before polygon's 10th anniversary which by the time people hear this um we will have begun celebrating which will be very exciting so it has been a bit of a zany time i want to say um i can say that i've seen the new avatar 
but oh, I can't yeah. I can't say anything about it. Which no, you're is. not allowed to talk about it because um, I bought tickets, but not until early January. I'm, so. I'm so excited for you to see it. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and what else? Have I, was there I mean, anything that's, that's I wanted to life. ask you? Was there anything um in our top sixteen list? that uh, you're going back and spending more time with? Oh, that is a great question. How about we actually go through that list really quick just to let let people know because not everybody's, you know, following us on Twitter religiously to know what games we picked. So uh, for for you, our listeners, we will begin the annual tradition of the besties choosing the bestie, the very next bestie episode. This is going live on a Tuesday. That episode will go live on Friday, yep. and we will have begun. We will be then. We have sixteen games in our bracket, and uh, we'll gradually work our way through it. Twelve of those games were picked by us. Four of them were picked by you, our listeners. The games that made the cut are not in front of me right now. I have them. I have them. Great, I'm gonna, great. I'll, I'll read through them. Okay. So we have Citizen Sleeper, Pentiment, hmm. Tunic, Neon White. God of War Ragnarok, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Marvel Snap, Immortality, Case of the Golden Idol, Cult of the Lamb, Vampire Survivors, Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, and the four reader picks were Pokemon Legends Arceus, Stray, which is the cat game, Horizon Forbidden West, and Nobody Saves the World. It is a really good list. And it's missing one game that we're going to talk about in the Besties episode, so don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, don't worry. I I, I can already feel all the There's one game that is notably absent from that list of 16. Maybe you could figure it out. We'll talk about it on the episode. It's called Elden Ring, and it's pretty good. Um, uh, Yeah, I stuff that I'm... I'll be real with you. I don't have a lot to go back to, but people on our show do. <laughs> That's true. I, I feel like I feel like more like y'all need to get back to Citizen Sleeper. I'm hoping people get back to Pentiment. Um I, I do need I do need to put some a, a fair about more time into God of War. Okay. Um and uh I, I just for my own pleasure, I would like to go play some more Mario and Rabbids. Yeah. And I definitely need to spend more time in Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my, my focus is mostly on the like narrative stuff. So Citizen Sleeper, which I uh, started dipping into recently, Pentiment, which I'm just a couple hours into it, and uh, the other one. Oh yeah, Case of Golden Idol. I have like not played at all. Oh, so I'm extremely excited because everyone yeah. loves Case of the Golden Idol, and I loved Oberdin, which is what it's been compared to. So uh, yeah, I've got I've got some homework ahead of me in the next week. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Polygon, I can share this on the Besties page, but we just released our top 50, which Fresh and I contributed to. And Case did of the I? Golden Idol. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> Case of the Golden Idol placed very high on it. No thanks to you, I That's might great. say. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I'm looking forward to that. I, 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 I'm, I would love for Horizon Forbidden West to, to click with me now that I have some time uh, since it came out. I want to, for just for fun, the just for fun games, I want to spend more time with Nobody Saves the World. I really liked what I played in that game, and I haven't played it on Steam Deck yet, and it seems like it'd be perfect on Steam Deck. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that game, that game, that was a delight. I feel like that was one of those games that if it had come out in mid-October or something, we would have seen more Game Awards nominate. Like, I just feel like it would have done better. Yeah. In this source. Not that any of this stuff really matters a whole lot. No. But 
you know, turns out it's hard when your game comes out in January to maintain that level of hype for an entire <laughs> year when you are a small independent game. Um, cool. Well, I think we did it. Should we should we wrap up? Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Cool. Well, I want to thank y'all for listening. It is always a treat to have you here listening to the Rasties. You can tell I'm stalling because I'm not sure how the show ends, but now I remember. This has been another episode of the Rasties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. Rasties. <laughs>